Unturned is presented by Update AI. I have value outside of uh, the the brand that I'm associated with. And I think we we all are. I think we all have a fear that grass is always greener. I get all that. But no, sometimes you just got to get out, get it. And, and look, younger generations understand that. This is note I would give young Kelly. It would have been, hey, when that real bad boss came along, you should have left. Yeah. Now, I'm glad I'm still here. But there, there were years in terms of that was fairly miserable for a couple of years. And we should suffer. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Unturned, a show about the leaders and innovators of companies who have forged incredible customer relationships and stories you can use to advance your own career. Here's your host, Josh Schechter. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Unchurned. I'm Josh Schachter, host of Unchurned and founder and CEO of Update AI. Joining me today, I'm incredibly excited about talking to Kelly Leonard. Kelly is the executive director of learning and applied improvisation at Second City in Chicago, which is like the improv and, and comedy royalty. And Kelly's also the author of a book that I read a couple of years ago, really inspired me. It's called Yes And, How Improvisation Reverses No But Thinking and Improves Creativity and Collaboration. Lessons from the Second City. So a long title. That probably wasn't the whole I have a long title was- and the book is a long title. And the book thing's not my fault because HarperCollins <laughs> made us do it. Well, you know, clearly there, it's for SEO purposes, I'm sure. Everybody is looking for, <laughs> yeah. for you know, all the long tail. Yeah, um, yeah. So anybody who knows anything about improv, about comedy, about about legendary comedians knows Second City, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is just the the mainstay, uh, uh, the, the king of, of comedy. Um, for anybody who, who, you know, has been kind of maybe sheltered or whatever, tell us. Tell us about yourself and tell us about Second City to get things started. Sure. We are uh, celebrating Second City's birthday today. We're 63 years old, which means we started in um, uh, 1959, December 16th, 1959. Um, And we were the first theater of its kind. We do sketch comedy that we write through improvisation. We do social satire. Um, So... It's it's a comedy club, but it's also a theater. We're a member of the Actors' Equity Association. Often when we're talking to someone maybe who's a tourist and has just heard and doesn't know what it is, we say it's kind of a cross between whose line is, whose line is it anyway and Saturday Night Live. Uh, but we predate, of course, both those things. So uh, I, I was not alive when it started. I started at Second City in 1988. Uh, it was my first gig out of college, and I was a dishwasher. The other fun fact, the other guy who got hired uh, with me that week was a guy named John Favreau who went on to direct a few famous films. And we both had mullets, and my wife has um, uh, evidence of this. Uh, she has <laughs> photographs were taken. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to go the direction that you, your, your wife also has a mullet. but the, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. Uh, decidedly not. Uh, and even then. So, no, I, I, so I worked on the staff, and um, I then worked in the box office, and then I was the first director of sales at Second City. But in 1992, I got offered the job to produce at Second City. So I, I basically was in charge of hiring all the talent and overseeing the shows and coming up with new ideas and products and programs and that sort of thing. And I mean, my first cast included uh, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Amy Sedaris. I hired people like Jason Sudeikis, Keegan-Michael Key, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. I mean, this, I worked with Seth Meyers. So it was a real golden age uh, at, at the Second City. And I want to I pause for a second, yeah. Kelly, because for the listeners, I want to promise you we were going to talk about business and we were going to talk yeah. about customer relationships, customer success. You, you know, it's not something maybe like very obviously that you'd, you'd buy a book of yes and that is a business book, but it is a business, it's a business book, right? Book, absolutely. It's, it's totally a business book. Yeah. So I want to pause because my curiosity is just going to get the best of me. I'm going to start like 
pegging you with questions about these Canadian yeah. stuff. And then I want people to know like the business stuff is coming. So, well, uh, and, and really in short, uh, the thing you need to know is, uh, is about improvisation. So uh, Second City teaches, we have a huge school uh, here where we teach all thousands and thousands of people how to improvise, how to make something out of nothing, because none of us are born with a script. And that serves a variety of purposes. It creates uh, incredibly gifted, funny comedians and actors. But what it also does is create incredible salespeople, uh, incredible leaders, Any, anyone who needs to communicate, anyone who needs to navigate uncertainty, anyone who needs to be agile and resilient. That is, is so, so if you're hearing those things, it's like, this is the superpower of the future of work is storytelling and, and all the other things I talked about. So, you know, the book, Yes And, it was a business book. It, it was taking lessons from what we've learned on stage, but also off stage, because in the training center, it's not just people who want to be on Saturday Night Live. They're there too. But what we found was business people were showing up and people with um, social anxiety were showing up. All yeah. kinds of people who were kind of looking at their life going, I think I can do this better, but I need some help. Um, and a class in improvisation, if you haven't done it, do it. Even if it's not Second City, go find someplace else. It, it, the thing is, it's all about practicing our human being skills. And one of the things that we know is we start we start life very creative. Babies and children are very creative. Then we go to school and we often become less creative. Then we get into business and suddenly we're less creative. And, and it doesn't need to be that way and it shouldn't be that way. When you know how to improvise and then you can improvise wisely, you will have an edge. It's that so it, it actually sounds like you can use this as a way to, you know, reinvigorate your creative juices for your day job, for your business. Mm -hmm. But also if your business is stifling your creativity, you're working at fortune company X and there's no way they're like, it's just, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a lost deal. Yeah. Like this can actually balance you too, right? Even if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I work a lot with behavioral scientists and, and with neuroscientists. So, so after I stepped down from producing, after I wrote the book, yes, and basically shifted uh, into working with all these academics to, and mostly in business schools, to sort of say, what's the evidence behind this work? And, and we started a program called the Second Science Project at the Booth School of Business. And it, uh, Richard Thaler was running the decision for decision research at UFC. Thaler, of course, you know, won the Nobel Prize in economics. And he had a book called Nudge. And when uh, my wife, uh, Ann Libra, co-taught a exec ed class with him and introduced him to this idea of yes and. So so for your listeners who may, might not know, the, the exercise uh, basically pairs up two people and you're pitching to the other person. Person A is pitching to person B, uh, idea for a reunion party. And they do that for about a minute. And there's just one rule. Person B has to say no to every initiation in as many different ways as they want to. And then we have a switch roles and person B pitches to person uh, A and they have to say yes, but to every initiation. And it's funny because when we do that and we debrief, half the people in the room th th thought it was a better experience and the other half think it's worse. And we're like, well, it may, may may sound or, or feel better, but in fact, it's just no with a top hat. That's what you're getting with a yes, but it is is you're you're not getting a yes, even though the it's actually a yes worse was in that yeah, sense. It's actually worse. Yes, yeah. I, I think so. And then the third part is where you yes and, and this is in Thaler's vernacular a nudge because what we know from behavioral economics is that people's default position is to do nothing or say no. And so having people practice this idea of yes and and recognizing that you're looking for the yes and inside any conversation, which also means you're actually listening to people, mm -hmm. but you're all, you're listening for what is the opportunity 
That's a different way to walk through the world. That is not the way most of us exist in any given time. Uh, Danny Kahneman, who wrote Thinking Fast and Slow, seminal book, uh, uh, Behavioral Science, says we have a system one and a system two brain. Um, and you know, one, one of those is taking shortcuts. And that that is the way we mostly, we have to live like that. There's too much noise coming in. Uh, but the system two is is deliberative. And that's where we are making decisions and we're mulling things over. When you improvise, you are rapidly shifting between your system one and your system two brain. So it's really, you're practicing what they, uh, psychologists call divergent thinking, which is at its root where creativity and innovation lie. And it's strenuous at first. I mean, like you, you feel strenuous. like it's the hard. cogs in motion. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you feel that strain. So, so I think what you're saying is, is we're, we're wired to, to really look for pushback. Yeah. We're, we're wired to uh, be in our tribes and look through, you know, look at threats. And so, you know, we, we've been running on the Savannah, you know, far longer than we've been running for buses. Um, yeah. And that is just an evolutionary thing that's going to be around for a while. So behavioral scientists have, you know, discovered all these heuristics, the confirmation bias and, you know, the, all these different sort of things that that we do. And improvisation, broadly speaking, and then and then minutely inside these exercises are practicing ways of embodying ways to fight that bi those biases. Again, looking for a phrase I often uses, we're always looking to replace blame with curiosity. So mm -hmm. I find, in, you know, I, I produced for over two decades here and I've worked with Fortune uh, 500 businesses and we still do Second City's corporate division, Second City Works. That's what we do. We do learning and development programs for big companies, but we also create a lot of content, uh, internal and external messaging. Uh, so because the comedy is very sticky, but the improv stuff is always the thing, especially today that we're getting a hired a lot for that they're finding value because there's so many generations in the workplace and they don't know how to talk to each other. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, this this program is speaking to a lot of folks who talk to customers yeah. day in, day out. And we can go through a few scenarios, but one that comes to mind immediately. I had a I had a script here of questions, but we're, we're, we're throwing the order out the window. I'm, I'm improvising, man. Let's I'm improvise. embodying your spirit. <laughs> yeah, let's improvise. But one thing that came to mind is you're constantly getting requests from customers, whether you're in sales or whether you're in customer success, post-sales. And, you know, oftentimes maybe, maybe that request, like you can't fulfill immediately, or there's reasons behind the scenes that like, no, I could never get that done. We have a backlog or my, my manager would say this or whatever. And so how do you, I don't know, how do people naturally yes. And when the situation when might, you can't, yeah, when you can. Okay. Yeah. I actually have an answer for that. When we first started this project at University of Chicago, uh, a small group of our top sort of performer teachers directors uh, were meeting with a handful of professors. And these are sort of major figures in the field. And we took them through that yes and exercise. And they were like, this is great. We already have the evidence to, that that can prove why, why this works. And they asked the question, what do you do when you can't yes and the person, but you need to stay inside the conversation? And we didn't know, they didn't know, but they went and looked at, at research that, that that existed and, and you know, looked around. We went back and sort of practiced some stuff out on, on stage. And when we came together, we had an idea. And we had took this idea, turned it into this exercise, and there's a paper coming out next year. And, and basically, the, the idea is thank you because. So when you are in a disagreement or a situation where you can't agree with the person, but you need to, this thing to keep going, you first thank them, which sets off the gratitude part of the brain. Everyone loves that. There, there's no threat. And the because is crucial. You find something, anything, no matter how small that you can agree with, with what they said. Thank you, because you just brought something to my attention that I don't know how to solve, and I'd like to figure out how to solve it. 
and it and it can be used in a variety of different ways. And and I think this will resonate for anyone who lives in America right now. Yeah, but the, you know that we are all about the canceling. We are all about the you know not listening and 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 not talking. And and guess what? That doesn't get us anywhere. We have to all do this together. That's that's what the human experience is about. And I'm not saying you have to put up with you know unjust systems. I'm saying in many cases. We let low stake, low level, dumb stuff get in the way of a, a potentially flourishing relationship and be that with a, a friend, uh, a partner and a customer. Pe- people want to be in, in delight and, and they get that feeling. They can get that feeling with a, a human relationship. So one of the things that's always bugged me, especially in recent years, as I've worked with the business schools and with businesses is in businesses, how much they don't pay attention to what we know about human behavior. Like, yeah. the, that, like, why would you not use the science of human behavior? Because you're probably have human beings selling to other human beings. I'll give you a good example. So Nick Epley, who's one of the scientists we work with, he wrote a fantastic book called MindWise. And Nick studies all the various ways that we don't communicate well with each other. And uh, he discovered through a study that people, generally speaking, are wary at self-disclosure. They think other people don't want to know the details of lives. In fact, it's the opposite. And what happens when you disclose even some small stuff, you know, you have a dog, that sort of thing. And, and people will respond. They might have a cat, but they'd like pets. So you, then you have that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, it, it is actually deceptively simple to build relationships uh, with your uh, new clients and, exi- and existing clients even more so as you, as you begin to self-disclose a little bit more in some interesting, as you discover, discover what passion areas might cross over. And we actually, we created an exercise to teach people this and it's called universal unique. And we pair up people and we say, all right, you're going to, the first person, you're going to say how people grocery shop, just universal. Uh, you get into a car, you go to the store, blah, blah, blah. Do that for a minute. Then we have them say, all right, t- now take a minute, think about how you personally grocery shop. Now, over the next minute, tell them how you grocery shop. And then when we, when we debrief this, everyone's like, I learned so much. Because we're all freaks, let's admit it, that thing. And we all have tells. And they usually revolve around banal things like grocery shopping. I know I do. I'm very specific in terms of my patterns of where I go and the fact that I always forget my bags and all that stuff. But those small moments can can be incredible opportunities to build relationships. And I had one of my very first bosses when I ran a video store in Wilmette, Illinois, said all business is relationships. And I I do not think he was wrong. No, I totally agree. I mean, I don't know about you. I always, I find it hard to build relationships with people that come across as very kind of closed um, and and they're, they're unwilling to share personal information. I mm-hmm. I need that. I need to to nourish on that. Um, and, and I sometimes overshare. I'll be- Yeah, so do I. Yeah. I mean, like I had a LinkedIn post yesterday. It's funny, like and we were talking about like, what's your, geez, I don't even know the, the origin of this. But anyways, I started, I started, I started oversharing. I started telling, joking around with somebody on LinkedIn about how I'd take bathroom breaks at night. <laughs> and that's my biggest problem that I got to solve is like not getting up to go pee in the middle of the night. Also though, like, and maybe it's just me being eccentric, right? Probably yeah. 80%. But 20% of it is I'm actually trying to break down a certain barrier. And I'm actually right. trying to, to be my authentic self. And and by, like, there's a method in that madness, right? Of opening myself up because I think that's how they're going to open up. And and I've I found that it's worked. It, you know, it's 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 I've been able to develop lots of relationships through that approach. I think the one of the things that's true in, in improvisational theater is you're creating a variety of characters in any given evening, 
And that mirrors something that exists in in world because we are a variety of selves. There's science to back this up, but I'd be like, I think it's a mistake to think of like, there's one authentic self that's you. And I think that also is bad when it's like, well, I have a work self and a home self. It's like, no, you have many selves. I have many selves at work. The way I talk to the CEO of the company is very different than my friend Abby, who's in the uh, office next to me. It just is, and and yeah. and it and it needs to be. And that doesn't mean and I'm it's not okay. Being, yeah, I'm not being not authentic to myself. I'm being highly authentic to myself and recognizing uh, the nuances of the room I'm in and the audience I have. So one of the things that's a huge value when you get hired. So when you get hired at Second City, you usually go into one of three touring companies kind of our AAA clubs, and you tour yeah. all across the country, performing at colleges, clubs, performing arts centers, theaters, and you develop the skill of like, okay, it's different in the South right. than it is in LA or New York. And it's different in the Midwest. And 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 it's going to be different in this church than it is in this club. And so you sh- you make these subtle shifts. And, and that's great. And, and, and it's great practice for then the way you're going to then exist in your career, if you're in the entertainment industry, because it's going to be different if you're on TV, different if you're on film, different if you're on a stage, different if you're in a writer's room. And that's yeah. no and that that's no different than all the ways we work in business. That I, I held many, although I've worked at Second City for 34 years, I've done so many different jobs here. And all of them required a shift uh in 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 how I worked or, or the different ways I was working. And so it's interesting. One of the things, because we do so much work in the business schools, we're embedded in a class in Harvard. And the thing that they kind of figured out with us is like, oh, you can actually bring exercises so everyone can practice this stuff because no one is practicing this stuff. Let's talk about yeah. that. How do we make it a daily ritual? How do we, how do we yogi, uh, yoga eyes this? this um... Yeah. If I had the answer to that, I'd be a billionaire, but I talk about it all the time uh, because it is. It, it, we, in any uh, level of peak, peak performance across any field, people practice. So pro athletes don't scrimmage the whole time. They work on their individual skills. They do batting practice. They do. They throw the ball around. Uh, there's drills in soccer that you do that are different. Same in tennis. Um, Yo-Yo Ma does his scales every day. Every day. That's the only way he can keep at that. And yet in business, where billions and billions of dollars on the line, who is practicing anything? Listening skills? Are you practicing You know your, your presentation? I mean, it's like you know, great lawyers practice you know, what they're going to be saying um, in front of a jury and a judge. So I think that, that, you know, if there are a way for businesses to carve out just sort of time for ideally L&D would be about, okay, we should work on a different skill throughout any given week. And it it doesn't have, I mean, these can be like 10 minute sessions of just, so so here's an example of a a listening exercise that I think is very useful, uh, which is we pair two people up and they're going to have a conversation. doesn't matter what they're talking about, talk about anything. But there's one rule, and that is your response, the sentence you're going to res- uh, respond to has to begin with the last word the other person spoke. So a couple things are happening there. One, it's forcing you to listen to the end of a sentence, uh, which we don't do very often as human beings. And then also we have to be uh, agile enough to take that word and and allow it to inform the thing that we're talking about, which means we can't pre-plan. And it went, because when we pre-plan, we aren't listening. So the, the the conversation has to be relevant. It's you can't just com- like start completely different tangents. Yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard to it's hard yeah. when someone ends with orange to figure out how you're going to start with orange and say something. Can we try for thirty seconds? I mean, yeah, you're, I you're the pro. I'm I, I've kind of faltered it improv uh, in my my uh, attempts in the past, but let's let's see. Why don't I'll... you start start us off? <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I, so, I have that harder part for me. That's why I'm having you do that. Oh, even here now the pressure's on. Oh, I have to get the perfect intro line. I'm talking to Kelly Leonard. Like pressure's on. Okay. 
So uh, I'm actually standing up right now at my standing desk talking to you, Kelly, and I'm looking at a poster of my favorite hockey team from my childhood. Childhood hockey team. Which team is it? It is the Hartford Whalers, which no longer exist. Uh, exist. They do not. I remember, didn't uh, a very famous uh, aging hockey player uh, play for the Whalers? Was that Gordy Howe? How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I liked it to that one. We could stop well, that, that was perfect. But that was perfect. And it was like, and, and like you could, you did that, which was fine. Yeah. And it's also like, how? Absolutely. Gordy, how? What, what, you know? Right. I know yeah. you went, you went Yoda there for, for one of those lines. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, sure. And then, and, and, but because I'm trying to, I'm trying to have it make sense. I'm, I'm, I'm going with the rules. And so that's important because it's making sure I listen. And then I don't want to put too much of my, we, this is the thing we do is we put so much pressure on ourselves uh, to like, oh, I got to be perfect. I do that. When both of us are concerned with that, we're, we're, we're both paying attention to ourselves mostly. Uh, and, and cause we're worried about looking good. So when you can begin to shed that, that just opens up whole yeah. other areas of communication. And also it's not just about words. So one thing I think we, and I chatted first, I, I might've told you that the, the origin story of all these exercises, these improv exercises that, that we get, that get taught at second city actually started with a social worker by the name of Viola Spolin in the twenties and thirties at Jane Adams Hull house on the South side of Chicago. And her job was to better assimilate the immigrant children who were coming into her care. So a lot of the early exercises were in gibberish or silence because the kids didn't share language, but she still needed them to come together and find ways to communicate and empathize and play. And her son, Paul Sills, was studying at the University of Chicago. He loved these exercises, these games. He taught them to his friends, Mike Nichols, Elaine May, Alan Arkin, among others. They formed the first improvisational theater in America, the Compass Players, in 1957 that morphs into the Second City in 1959. So it wasn't even, yes, they were theater games, but they were in the service of immigrant children communicating. Yeah, and, yeah. and so so no surprise that then someone sort of figured, figured out that, wow, communication is so vital in work and it's so disastrous so often, uh, whether it's the just the ill-timed email or the, you know, I, I saw, I think it was the Washington Post is doing layoffs or whatever. And then they, the guy wouldn't even take questions afterwards to people. It's like, no, that's not, you gotta, you gotta be present for your people, especially in dire times. Yeah. That is just a, 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 like, what a business mistake. Yeah. What, what a terrible yeah. moment of leadership. Is the drag of taking notes after back-to-back -back customer meetings slowing you down? Or even worse, did you miss something your customer asked for three meetings ago? Update AI, the latest investment from Zoom Ventures, is here to help. Featuring the world's most advanced artificial intelligence to detect action items, Update AI joins your Zoom meetings and in real time delivers your follow-ups and next steps from customer calls. Save hours of busy work, stay more present in your conversations, and make sure your team is always on track. Sign up for your trial of Update AI today at www.update.ai. Hey guys, it's Josh. If you're like me, you buy the doggy poop bags on amazon.com that have the most ratings and reviews. So please give our podcast a rating or review. It'll help others discover us. Go ahead right now. I'll be here when you get back. I want to, I want to get back to, to some of the scenarios here. We talked yeah. about the, um, you know, how do you yes and when you can't? And I love that. Thank you because I am bookmarking that moment right now mm -hmm. um, to come back to in my own experiences. Let's talk about another one. When 
you know, in a lot of companies, you're you're handing over the relationship. So yeah. sales hands over to customer success, they hand over to right. support, they hand, right? Like, so you're always warming up new relationships. How do you suggest, are there are there professional or easy yet professional ways to, to get that rapport going quickly with a customer or with anybody? Well, I mean, the one earlier that I spoke about in terms of sharing small details, I think is, oh, yeah. is, is a good one, certainly. And that, 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 that does create sort of instant rapport or can. Okay. Um, I think the other thing people talk about active listening and that's not wrong. Um, but I think there's, there's not everyone knows exactly what different kinds of active listening consists of. So one is uh, the science pretty much shows that if I'm just silent and listening to you, that that is worse than if I'm at least making some noise of acknowledgement throughout. So mm -hmm. I, I've been challenged by this by certain people, but I'm like, the, it's in the literature and it's sort of like, no, you need to know I'm here. And I'm like, ah, okay. Yeah. And then, and then stop. I want to stop you on this. I want to double click on what you just said. Is this how you said this? Uh, and then it's very gratifying to be heard and seen as a human being. But then the other thing you're doing is really trying to learn what's important to this person. So I started a podcast four or five years ago called Getting to Yes And, and it's on WGN Radio in Chicago and then also at, through Second City. So I interview uh, a scientist, an author, a business leader every single week, and I'm reading about two books a week uh, in, in a variety of fields. And one of the things that I've realized is been life and work changing for me is when I always read the book, I always read the full book and I underline uh, and I'm a voracious reader. So this is not hard for me, but, but I didn't do it like this before. So I read the whole book. I underline it. I go through the uh, what I've underlined and I type which notes I'm going to use for the podcast. Um, then I have the podcast. And, and what I am doing is creating what's called a learning loop. Uh, mm -hmm. So the way we learn best is when we can read the information, soak it up, and then spit it out back to the other person and then hear, hear what they say. And then inevitably, and this happens a lot, I hit it off with the guest and we are like, hey, uh, I've got a project idea. So I, I had actually interviewed Wendy Smith, who wrote a fantastic book, is getting a lot of attention called Both and Thinking, um, about how navigating ambiguity. She's a professor at the University of Delaware. Well, I just hosted her and three of her colleagues for two days at Second City, watching shows, seeing workshops, coming up with ideas of things we could do, we could study and work on together. Um, and it's like, wow, that happened because we had this really informed half hour discussion. I did my work. I, I read her stuff and I yeah. tried to think about it. And then it's it's like, oh, my God, is that all it took? Like, I, like, I wish I'd had this note at 26 when I became a producer at Second City. Because I think I think you know I could have done way more amazing things uh, if I'd known that oh like just read the book find find ways of 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 you know back and forth um, yeah. and you just you add that to your arsenal uh, 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 that then you can bring into whatever the next conversation is yeah yeah any any tips around um, dealing with somebody who's who's a, a big fetcher <laughs> they they like uh -huh. to complain there's escalation right we 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 all know that folks that talk to customers have to deal with with complaints and escalations is there anything to disarm or does that just go back to the thank you because i don't know i mean uh comedy is a, a superpower which also means it can be used for evil is a, you know that, that that's <laughs> true too and i don't want to suggest that people who don't have uh, the ability use comedy don't I use it to diffuse things all the time. And it's mm -hmm. very, and it's very useful. And sometimes that's finding a common enemy. So I think if you can kind of like, what's the kvetching and how do I get the spotlight off of me or our company or something like that, that can be very effective uh, as well. 
I um, do not enjoy toxic people. Uh, and I would suggest that if, if someone is toxic, you need to stay away from them. Uh, and, and, and then if you're in the business of like, well, that's my job, find another job. <laughs> this is not healthy. Well, that's a good point too as well. Yeah. yeah. No, I, and look, I get, I, you know, I do lots of public speaking and I'm in lots of panels and often somebody like, I agree with everything you're saying, but I got this boss and they won't do this. They won't do that. And I'm like, quit. I don't know what to tell you. Like, like you're, yeah. it's not going to change. You're not changing this human. Um, and, and what we know is that people don't leave companies, they leave bosses right. that they don't like. And what we also know is that you can have uh, a business that has a bunch of bad bosses, but if you're in the one team that has a good boss, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Cause you're day to day. You're happy. So I, so I have a great boss right now. I have the best boss I've ever had in my career at, at second city. And this person listens to me, values what, what I, what I say challenges me makes me understand uh, what I'm actually responsible for. And uh, there's, and there's a high degree of trust that goes bo both ways. And we check in on that, which is like, are we, are we still in this like good place? And, and it's like, I work harder, I work smarter because of that relationship. And I've had mediocre bosses and it's been okay. And that's, you know, that, that can be fine too. But if there, if there's a note I would give young Kelly, it would have been, Hey, when that real bad boss came along, you should have left. Yeah. Now, I, I like that I'm still here. I'm glad I'm still here. But there, there were years in terms of you know my working life here where I was like, no, that I was that, that was fairly miserable for a couple of years. And you should suffer. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then and and then understanding that I have value outside of uh, the the brand that I'm associated with. And I think we we all are. I think we all have a fear that we're gonna we're not gonna find the thing or you know like the grass is always greener. I get all that, but no, sometimes you just got to get out, get it. Get, and, and look, younger generations understand that it, this is, you know, we are no, no longer working in the place where, you know, my dad worked WGN radio and TV for 33 years. I've been here for 34. My wife's been here for 36. That, that is a rare thing now. Yeah. How come you have no loyalty in your family too? Yeah, I know it's terrible. <laughs> wow. Kelly, I want to I want to leave it leave it there. Mostly, um, I'm a I'm a huge advocate um, of, of improvisation. I want to thank you for for all the development you've done for the trade for the the practice yep. um, because it has been legitimized, you know, over the past decade or so. We're getting there. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not just fringe. And and I know you're. I mean, through these conversations, through your literature, through those the the courses at business schools and everything, um, you're continuing to progress that. So thank you. I do advocate that everybody in the business world, you talk to customers, you talk to colleagues, try like find your local improv mm -hmm. class and and give it a try. I did, and um, and it was helpful. It really was. Um, I we didn't start this way, Kelly, because we just kind of got got quickly going. But I, I always have this like unchurned, um, what we call it you know, podcast called Unchurned. This this raw, authentic, unchurned opener of, of of some questions for you. To that's how I actually open up the conversation. Yeah. That's how I open the relationship up, yeah. right? Um, but I want to go back to a couple of them. Let's do it. You've worked with so many amazing comedians, and 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 so many of my favorites. Probably been asked this question a hundred times. You probably don't have an answer for it. Like who was the best? Who was the most impressive improviser comedian that you've ever come across worked with? I don't think anyone would d disagree with me because most people don't know his name, uh, but his name is TJ Jagodowski. You might know him as one of the Sonic guys. Uh, so one the, sorry, one of the what guys? Sonic, the Sonic Burger commercials. Ah, okay. So there's there's yeah. two guys, but one's Peter Gross, also a good improviser. And the other guy is TJ Jagodowski, who is um, local Chicago guy. Amazing. He's part of a, uh, a very famous in its field improv duo called TJ and Dave. Dave Pasquese, also an excellent, excellent improviser. And just just someone who is and I remember he was a receptionist here. Uh, and, and when you worked on staff, you, you could take free improv classes like his first 
improv class, someone's like, I'm seeing the greatest improviser I've ever seen. And wow. that, that just sort of bore out. Uh, wow. So uh, people like Tina Fey and, and Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell, all, Adam McKay, all great. They've all worked with TJ and would say the same thing. Um, so that's my guy. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. Who, who's, who's showing the greatest Delta and, and, and growth and progress in your, in, in their time at second city, uh, Steve Corral. So, uh, unlike many people wh whose tenure at second city tends to be like graduate school. So two, three years, maybe four at most Corral was here eight years before he yeah. left. And, you know, I, th I think he left us for the Dana Carvey show, brief, the brief six episode Dana Carvey show. And then, to see where Carell has gone, very good comedian, but man, is he a strong actor. I mean, he is a, a, a one of our great act actors, dramatic actors. I mean, he's very funny, that, that stuff too. But, you know, you, you definitely saw the seeds of it here, but I think he is just someone who just continues to evolve his his art and his craft. You see a lot of comedians that do really well entrepreneurially. Yeah. Um, I think of like one of my favorite comedians, Adam Sandler. Mm -hmm. uh, you think of Tyler Perry, mm -hmm. Steve Carell, and 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 Trevor Noah now with The Daily Show and John Stewart and those guys. I think of them as being very enterprising. Who, who do you think is the most enterprising comedian that you've worked with? I'd say Tina Fey. Broadway, sitcom, film, book, you know, and and uh, philanthropy as well. A very dear friend of mine, um, and someone who like really I I, I sort of cherish our, our relationship and and support over the years. But yeah, uh, Tina is so savvy. And, you know, if you if you read her book, Bossy Pants, she also talks about how the guiding light of improvisation, those rules are the ones that she takes into her 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 life and her work uh, to be more successful. Kelly, thank you, because I enjoyed this episode so much and okay, learned so great. much from you and um, wishing Second City a very happy birthday. Thanks, Josh. Take care. Thanks a lot. Hey, guys, it's Josh. Don't hang up. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what, even if you didn't, I'd love for you to give us a rating in iTunes or Spotify. And after you do, email me at josh at update.ai with the name of your favorite charity. And my company, Update AI, will make a donation on your behalf. I'd love to connect with each of our listeners. Send me a LinkedIn request and I'll accept it immediately. Just go to www.update.ai slash LinkedIn and it'll redirect to my profile. Thanks.